Welcome to this episode of the Open Score Conversations. I hope you're having a fabulous holiday season. I'm very excited to bring to you this special guest, Tom Trones, who is the co founder and chief product officer of Minuendo. He has been protecting his hearing since he was a young musician and has combined his various skills to create the revolutionary musician's earplug, the lossless earplug. It is the world's only variable passive hi fi filter earplug that also has a natural flat frequency response. This all means that you can adjust how loud or soft the sound will be as it enters your ears. On top of that, today you're going to learn about the importance of protecting your hearing as a musician, his pathway from guitarist to designing these earplugs, and what it was like to take a product from the idea stage all the way to selling a complete product during the pandemic. Although this video is not directly sponsored by Minuendo themselves, I do have a discount code for 20% off the lossless earplugs from their distributor, Soundbrenner. So check out the link in the description below for more information. Let's go and meet Tom. So before we get started with talking about hearing protection and your earplugs and your journey, can you give us a little bit of a background of your musical journey and your musical background as well? Yeah, yeah. So I, I started uh, playing piano, uh, not very seriously from, you know, seven, a bit on and off uh, until I was maybe 11, 12. And then um, I started to, I found the guitar and that kind of took over. So for a while I was kind of doing uh, both piano and guitar, but they kind of, they crossed over as I went into like a musical high school uh, here in Norway um doing more and more guitar first a little bit classical then more and more electric guitar so um so after high school here in norway i studied the music technology so i've always kind of enjoyed that transition uh, and the combination between the creative and the technical fields and i think that's kind of been a red thread throughout my career and my my interest is is in that um, yeah finding that balance between those two so after um after music technology where i did a lot of production and uh, live sound design and synthesis and these kind of things i wanted to have a little bit more technical meat on the bone so that's why i uh, did a full acoustics degree in electronics and uh, signal processing so um, it went the engineering way. Um, so that's kind of um, my my like formal background. But uh, it's for musically, it's been like more and more uh, rock, and then a lot of into progressive metal and these kind of things when I was around seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, and uh, I was kind of very super mm -hmm. focused in that direction. I think after that, I'm I've uh, very ventured a little bit more broadly in, and trying to be more a, more of a diverse musician after that. What other genres have you grown from after your tunnel vision? <laughs> uh, I think, um, you know, more pop and blues and even even trying to appreciate uh, genres that I was kind of very against to begin with or couldn't relate to, like uh, country music and, you know, trying to push myself to find things that I... I like in many genres, even those that I maybe had a negative starting point towards. It's awesome that you're like opening up to a lot of other genres. It's just so so good to just, you know, be in the music world that way. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, so can you tell us, because you are now like the co-founder and also the CPO of Minuendo, can you tell us what yes. events in your life have led you to that point? Yeah, so I spent the most of my like working career after university in Cisco Tamburg. So they do video conferencing and in that company I was able to do a lot of things that both had to do with the technical side and the creative side. So I did uh, sound design and ringtone design for a lot of the video uh, conferencing products there and um, and uh, also a lot of project management. So uh, when um, the guys that were running this project before it became a company, so this was a research project funded by the, the Norwegian uh, government for three years and then you know they had something that they would like to commercialize and then they asked me if I wanted to join through some common common friends that knew about me so that's how I got into the company and how I co-founded the company oh very awesome can you go a little bit into the ringtone thing because that seems really interesting like were you composing the tunes or how did that yeah. work I still find it fascinating to to work without within very uh, tight constraints mm -hmm. so you have a very tight framework you know it has to loop it has to be played on really bad speakers <laughs> and still kind of ret retain a lot of the same musical qualities it has to scale to a bigger sound system and still sound good it has to have some kind of brand uh, identity it needs to be played a hundred or a thousand times without you like completely getting sick of it so it has has to tick off a lot of boxes and you have to do that within 15 seconds. So I found that kind of very narrow uh, framework of being creating within quite you know, rewarding and challenging. Yeah, it is said that a lot of creativity can come from just having like boundaries, because if you don't yeah. have those, then you don't know what to do with creativity. So um, I think that's really, really amazing. And yeah. uh, as we start to go into like hearing protection and how important it is, can you tell me a little bit of how you got into hearing health and protecting your hearing? Was there a certain event that happened for you? More of a situation, I think. I'm not sure exactly where I quite early on got this awareness. Uh, maybe it was just like the extreme levels that I was exposed to quite early on in my musical career. Um, we were, were like four teens in a very small basement playing as loud as we could we have, <laughs> had a very loud drummer it was so tight so we were like the, this the symbol was in my face basically and my amp was in my other ear yeah and everyone was like cranking it to to kind of compete with him <laughs> and um, and it was just not possible to be there without and then I quite early on got uh, custom molded earplugs with a 25 db filter because that's mm -hmm was was needed in that quite extreme situation so yeah i think i was 17 when i got my ears uh, molded the first time so it's quite quite early to make that investment in in your hearing but uh yeah and even even if i haven't had hearing protection with me at clubs i'm always the guy that puts like toilet paper or something <laughs> in my ears uh, even though it looks uh, very dumb so I've always had uh, had had that. Uh, yeah, I, I've always wanted to protect myself without being, you know, scared. But I, I feel, you know, it's uncomfortable in 
in those extreme situations or i have a maybe i'm quite attuned to what levels are are potentially dangerous or uh for what time mm -hmm. i can be exposed without it being too hazardous yeah I, in the same way like i have the my very old like custom earplugs that i used to wear whenever i went to concerts um you know when it gets really loud because you like feeling like the 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 bass through you right but at the same time yeah. It has to be quite a high level of volume and intensity for that to happen. So it, it's, yeah. it, you know, you need to protect your hearing. Was there anyone who told you that you needed to get like custom fitted earplugs or was it just something that through your research you discovered? I can't really remember how that came about. Um, mm -hmm. I don't think I, I can't remember that I had too many uh, people tell me that that was what you should do. Uh, yeah, I can't remember, but somehow I, I got that done. And, you know, that was a big investment for me as a, a student at that that time. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, the, I mean, custom molded earplugs has been for the longest time uh, the, the best um, option for most uh, that want to retain a certain sound quality because the, the filters available for custom molds can be quite good or like they have been the best mm -hmm. available. So I've always been a fan of that, but I've, uh, you know, through that, throughout the years of use, found some, some things that have annoyed me a little bit uh, that I wanted to kind of bring into this uh, new product that we were making to, to make it even better than, than the experiences that I have had in the past. Absolutely. We're going to soon get to filters and all the nifty features that we have with the lossless earplugs. Um, but to establish a little bit of foundation for uh, the listeners who might not know anything about hearing protection, can you give them a little foundation as to why it's important and maybe talk a bit about unsafe decibel levels or um, ex sound exposure that is healthy and isn't unhealthy? Sure. Yeah. So, so basically, uh, much like other chemical substances or gases, there's a certain dose or exposure you can get without the, you getting into a kind of a hazardous risk area where you either in a short or a long, uh, long period of time uh, can accrue uh, permanent hearing damage. So, you know, you, you might go to a concert and not wear earplugs and then go to bed and if your ears are ringing, uh, probably you have some kind of uh, temporary threshold shift, so like very short-term hearing damage. Mm -hmm. Most often that that kind of heals itself, it kind of goes away, but uh, over time that uh, will, uh, th those kind of events will accrue and you will get increasingly more hearing damage that will be permanent. So there's no really a good way to get back from that kind of state and uh, and the, the effects of hearing damage uh, some might take lightly uh, on it to begin with you know it might be a little bit harder to to hear when you're talking with friends at a club or or you know you just have to you know speak speak up to, but uh, but it, it can have really big consequences to the way that people live their lives and there's big correlation to to dementia and death uh, also so 
there's a lot of research now that's showing that the huge effects of and the, the negative consequences of uh, of uh, hearing damage so you know uh, that's that's what mo most people kind of expect that their hearing will get worse as we uh, we age but um, i think there's a lot to do to that we can do to keep our hearing um, as good as possible for a much longer period of time and especially for musicians where you know if you lose your hearing that's going to seriously affect the thing that you love to do the most so you really want to kind of keep that uh, as as long as possible it's like kind of investment into your future self 20 years from now you know you want that person of you like that version of you to have a good life and be able to enjoy music and uh, keep continuing to to play music absolutely you definitely not only want to continue being able to hear and make the music that you love but also to hear like your loved one's voice when you're older or to hear maybe if you want to have a family to be able to hear like your child's voice be able to speak to them without being like once again can you say that a little louder yeah. um can you if it's possible can you go into a little bit more about the correlation between hearing loss and like dementia and death because that's that's quite a, a correlation yeah so um and and the cause causation part of this is, is still not quite figured out but um we do think it has to do with kind of the st the social stimuli mm. so that there is a a negative spiral between the two like not necessarily that dementia causes hearing damage or uh, um hearing damage causes dementia but it's this like negative spiral of reduce social interactions and stimuli. Um, so I'm not an expert on this, So, um, but I, I do trust uh, the science in it, although I'm not maybe the, the, the person to to recount it in the perfect way. Mm -hmm. well, I guess that does make sense because I imagine if you are having trouble hearing on a day-to-day, -day, it makes it hard to connect with others. And then if it's hard to connect with others, you feel more lonely and then, you know, things spiral further from there yeah and um would it be possible to talk a little bit about what are unsafe hearing decibels and we're not all carrying around like a decibel meter and like testing no. things so would there be like practical examples of how loud maybe 85 is or 90. yeah um so you know there are levels to understanding these uh these single number values of a sound because as we know you know a a, uh, a a very bass heavy sound or a uh, a very high frequency sound uh, they might have very different effects on the body but we still uh, in this context we say okay it has a certain level decibel level and um, and it's very hard to get a real really good intuition around uh, decibels since it's a logarithmic scale so uh, just like it's hard to kind of interpret a, an earthquake, which is also on a logarithmic mm. scale, the Richter scale. Uh, so, so having you know a good understanding of what decibels are it can be quite tricky. But typically, uh, we say that to avoid uh, a certain amount of risk, then you should stay b beneath an average of eighty-five decibels for eight hours a day. Mm. And for every 
uh, 3db you increase the level you can only stay there uh, for half the time mm -hmm. so if you then go to 88db if you have that as your background no noise throughout the day you can also always only stay there for around four hours before you know you're incurring too much risk mm -hmm. or or to the point where you should do something about that and that's quite high night like 90 db would be almost shouting oh uh, okay yeah so but the, my band practice for example i was playing in the cover band for the last year we used to have levels around um, maybe uh, 95 to 100 db okay um at and at 100 db you spent your dose after 15 minutes without hearing protection wow that's fast so that yes so if you do that like throughout years and years and throughout the, a career then you there's a very high likelihood you will see an early decline of hearing ability mm -hmm. and um, my my other band where we like this this previous previous band I mentioned it had electric drums so that wasn't really that loud for a, okay. an amplified kind of setting mm -hmm. this other ba band I'm playing it we're at maybe 110 decibels with acoustic drums and we're playing really loud mm -hmm. and then it's just a matter of minutes before you've you you've gone into this uh, red zone where where the, that day has you, you like in that in the span of just a few minutes you've kind of spent the exposure allowance for that day mm -hmm. so then that's that's quite the serious case if you're if you're not using hearing hearing protection and that you know 110 db that would be more than a chainsaw basically or, okay. uh, or cutting cutting metal or these kind of things so it's uh, it's quite high you mentioned about 85 decibels and having exposure level about let's say eight hours and if you're at 88 it's yeah. down to four now is it a continuous yeah. four hours or is it like accumulated throughout the day four hours yeah so the all these kind of models are very sim simplified in order to be able to talk about it in the way that that we do to give yeah. recommendations for legislation for example so if you uh, um, are an employer you kind of have a responsibility to keep levels be below that and if they are higher and you need to have some some uh, hearing conservation program in place for example making sure that your workers have earplugs or that you put in more uh, sound absorption in in the uh, symphony orchestra mm -hmm. uh, or or make it so that uh, the the ones that create the highest levels are maybe separated a bit more away from the others these kind of things Mm -hmm. So having sound absorption, having hearing protection, um, if you're near other loud musicians, perhaps space yourself apart so that's not as like in your face. Are there other ways yeah. that musicians can help to protect their hearing? Yeah, and I think one the, the important thing that you mentioned is by taking breaks. Mm. So there is a the difference between this four hour continuous and, and uh, you know, spreading it out and making sure that you're ears have um, have uh, time to kind of adjust because usually hearing damage is caused by a lack of nutrients that are getting into the the cochlea oh. or, or that's at least what we think so that there's you know poor diffusion of nutrients that are getting or or removing um, like uh, the 
rest materials <laughs> mm -hmm. that that you don't need any longer from that area uh, and the, you don't really have a whole lot of uh, blood flow in that area so so you need some time to let that kind of cool off and uh, get to an equ equilibrium so i think think taking breaks is a, a really good uh, suggestion for that Awesome. What are some environments or scenarios that musicians need to be a little bit more aware of that they will know that they'll be exposed to higher levels of like volume intensity, aside from, you know, going to clubs or listening to concerts or being too close to, I don't know, the timpani when you're in rehearsals? Are there other scenarios? It's quite easy to think that when you're alone in your studio with a grand piano, for example, you know, you have full control of the sound, so and it's a it's a small room, but that's where you spend most of your time, probably. You know, if you're if you're practicing maybe six hours a day, and and doing a lot of uh, pieces that have very high intensity, you you might spend your dose in that. Even for acoustic guitar, you know that that over time that can be quite high. And uh, for a violinist, for example, the, the ear that is closest to the violin, we've measured uh, 110 decibels wow. from the violin. That's like 15 minutes uh, of practice right there. <laughs> yes, but you're not going to, most often you're gonna, not going to do 100 de 110 decibels for 15 minutes. But, you know, if it's very high intensity, you know, you will have peaks up there. And then if you're practicing for eight hours a day. Mm-hmm uh five days a week for years and years you know that's going to add up over time so even this in these cases where you think you might be protective you have full control here maybe in a kind of acoustically damped uh practice studio it can still kind of add on to that uh accumulating noise exposure that you can control a bit and i think you know previously there hasn't really been products that uh, have low enough attenuation mm -hmm. for those kind of situations because it feels very weird to put hearing, hearing protection in and you're just sitting alone with a <laughs> in your practice studio with a, an acoustic instrument. Yeah. But uh, I think there is an opportunity to to take a little bit of the edge off in these cases where you're spending most of your time and that maybe you know that if if you think. I don't like wearing earplugs at the concert. I I need to be at a hundred percent there. Okay, maybe you don't wear hearing protection at your symphony orchestra con concert, mm -hmm. but you know the ninety percent of the time was practicing towards that con concert. So that's where you put in put in your protection. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how would someone know if they have hearing damage aside from having tinnitus or like that ringing in the ear? Is that the only symptom? It's not necessarily so that if you have tinnitus, you have hearing da damage. Mm -hmm. There's a correlation there. And, um, you know, that the best way to know if you have hearing damage is to go to your audiologist and, and do a audiometry and, and they will take you through a number of tests that that check okay um, how is the like me mechanical status of your uh, hearing apparatus uh, is it uh, uh, neurosensorial or or um, yeah so if there is something measurable wrong mm -hmm. 
they can try to pinpoint you know, what that might be. And and usually that that can explain some some tinnitus, but tinnitus and hyperacusis and misophonia there uh, also quite related to stress often, you know, how you deal with it. So there's, uh, it's not like, okay, uh, I have tinnitus, something externally bad happened to me and now I just have it. You know, mm. there's, there's this weird thing where um, the level of tinnitus that you experience, the ringing in your ears, it's not correlated to how much it affects your life or like how how badly you feel that it it is so how bothersome it is mm -hmm. so i think that's you know counterintuitive you, you would think that the the higher your tinnitus levels the more you're bothered by, by it but that's not really the case so there's an element to to how you react to that situation as well I see. So as the co-founder and the CPO of Minuendo, you've created um, two different types of like hearing protection. The one that um, we're most interested in right now is the lossless earplugs, which I think yeah. is absolutely revolutionary with the fact that you can adjust like your filter levels. Like that's amazing. Uh, before we get yeah. into the nitty gritty of that, can you tell us what the lossless earplugs are, who they're for and how they're different from just like regular foam earplugs that you would just stick into your ear like toilet paper? Yeah, so the, the, the foundational thing is that we are um, using a membrane filter. So a lot of other earplugs, uh, like the, the simple foam ones, they're just blocking everything out. Mm -hmm. That means that you're uh, you're getting, uh, you're, they're cutting away most of the high frequencies. So it kind of gets this kind of feeling where you're putting your hand in front of, you know, you can't really understand. You can hear some things, but you get it's mostly like bass that's getting through. And it's really hard to hear speech if you're if you fitted them well. So that's that's you know they're great pro hearing protection, but uh, it takes away too much of the experience for like musical settings. But if you if you were like cutting the grass and just want to block everything out, they're great. You know they're cheap. Uh, uh, they work mm -hmm. if you know how to insert them properly. Mm -hmm. uh, but most most people don't, so often they don't end up working, even though like they can work really well. So mm -hmm. uh, that may be an issue. So that's a simple foam ones, and then you have a kind of a middle category where uh, you buy just opening a tiny hole through the foam. In, okay. And uh, different products do this in slightly different ways. Then. You kind of introduce a base leak and then you have a slightly uh, better hear through mm -hmm. uh, and a little bit more controlled. You're not taking absolutely everything everything away, but still it's not really great for music. You're losing a lot of high end, for example. I see. And so then, uh, then finally you have uh, the category with membranes. So. Uh, like Minuendo and also like most custom molded musicians filters, they have a membrane. And um, that allows you to uh, attenuate the, the bass frequencies and the high frequencies at the same level. And that gives this natural sound. That's why we call it lossless. You're not mm. losing any of the frequencies of the natural sound, mm -hmm. but you are keeping you know, that, uh, that natural, naturalness. 
Mm -hmm. For those who may not know, can you explain the importance of why it's so important to have um, earplugs that when they do, let's say, take the edge off of the sound or at least lower the decibel levels, why it's so important to have it equally across the low and the high frequencies? I think it's mostly ab about uh, the experience of, of sound, like keeping it natural. If you're a musician, you want to like have control over the tone. If you go into a concert, you want to hear it. Uh, you want to hear the, the vocals. You want to hear the hi-hat. Uh, you don't want to kind of just have part of the experience that the sound engineer is creating for you. Mm -hmm. So that's one uh, one part of it. And um, yeah, so so if you if you want to kind of uh, have a uh, compromise less on your experience of your sound environment then it's important to have it flat mm. but from a protection point of view it, i don't see it as critical like mm. um uh, because it's the higher frequencies that are you can say more dangerous or hazardous for us because if we lo lose the higher frequencies it's harder to discern speech and that has the the highest impact on us if if you it's very rare that you get a low frequency hearing loss that really affects you in an adverse way compared to the higher frequencies where you're you know where speech is yeah i think it's really important for musicians like they might say oh i need some hearing protection so i may as well just go to like the nearest drugstore and buy the foam earplugs and they're good enough but because we have yeah. to be so nuanced in how we hear the sound and the quality of the sound. If you have those, like you said, and you put your hand over your mouth, it's going to sound really muffled like this. You won't be able to yeah. hone in on your craft. But having yes. um, like the lossless earplugs or any earplugs with that filter makes it, it takes away that muffledness. And so you can still hear with the same amount of clarity or very close to without losing um, your experience, like you said, but also without, it's basically like you have your normal type of play, but it's just a little bit softer, which is really yeah. great for your experience and also to protect your hearing. So with these earplugs, are they just solely for like practicing musicians or can other people also use them? I think they're for everyone. Um, and you know, if, if you have the budget, you know, mm -hmm. not, you're not going to buy a pair of earplugs for $150 if you're going to mow the lawn, most likely. Mm -hmm. uh, but so there needs to be some kind of awareness around uh, keeping the quality good, having the need for maybe the, the stepless uh, adjustment or a need for having a quite open filter as well as the possibility to close it. So, mm -hmm. so there, you know, everyone can use it, but uh, everyone won't buy them because uh, uh, you know, it, it might be a little bit overkill for for the for normal yeah or normal use cases where you would not necessarily need a musician's filter or something like that. Mm -hmm. So if you're going on your daily business of going to the mall, you probably don't need like custom molded earplugs or the lossless um, earplugs either. But if you are a musician lover, you love music, whether you're going to concerts or you just practice in your room, it might be something that you really want to consider. This podcast Absolutely. is not necessarily sponsored by Minuendo, but Soundbrenner did um, give me a wonderful code for 20% off of the Minuendo lossless earplugs. So if you're interested in that, please do check out in the description down below. I'll definitely leave that there. Thank you for that lovely segue in there. And on top <laughs> of that, um, 
I'm wondering with these lossless earplugs, how are they different from, let's say, getting custom molded ones? And can you talk a little bit more about what you said earlier, where you said, oh, I have custom molded earplugs, but there were some things that annoyed me and I wanted to make something that set like your earplugs apart from the market. So what's so special about the lossless earplugs? Uh, okay, I can start with some of my experience around the, the custom molded. So mm. um, I did find that the, the um, I mean, you usually you have to, you have to, when you're getting them molded, you have to have your jaw in a certain way. And, uh, and if you move your jaw away from that set position that you're getting them molded at, then they will kind of lose uh, fit. And then you will experience that as like a clicking in and out. So when I'm at a concert and uh, maybe singing along, or uh, I'm singing back backing vocals or chewing chewing gum or something like that, it's, it's not a good experience. You know, you want to keep your jaw in the same position as when you were molding them, which is a kind of a big restraint because they're they're usually uh, like just only like uh, rubbery, semi-compliant, so they're not going to give too much, uh, mm -hmm. give way too much to the anatomy. The other part uh, is that um, even though they're custom molded, doesn't mean that they have great fit in a way. So they could have big base leaks, and that could be due to you know, uh, improper fitting, manufacturing, uh, you might lose a little bit of weight or gain a little bit of weight that will change your anatomy slightly as you grow older, the mm. anatomy changes. It's not like the ear canal is constant throughout your life. So there will be sort of evolution in the, the way of that. Uh, so, uh, you know, you, you might get a false sense of security of of this uh, custom fit, you know, mm. that it's, they're custom fitted for that specific uh, place and time and jaw mm -hmm. location. So that's that's one thing to keep in mind. And if you're using them to play, for example, you could move your jaw while you're getting them molded mm. or sing along. But that will uh, that will mean that they fit worse they will have more of a base leaks because they're naturally not you know as uh fitted to the ear canal because that that changes when you move your jaw so that's that's one thing that annoyed me the other part was there i had you know semi-transparent bone they mm -hmm. they turned yellow they mine they have as well to, <laughs> <laughs> they're not very uh like they're they're relatively um they kind of disappear in the air like no not everyone will see that you have something in the air which mm. might be a positive for some mm -hmm. but they're not very nice when you take them out and uh, uh, they're kind of hard to get hold of yes sometimes where they're kind of deep so they're harder to get out and you know i found them relatively easy to put in but you kind of have to have a little bit of technique to to do that so you know and you know getting hold of them grabs losing them at a concert mm -hmm. that kind of experience was not uh, not great for me either the the third part is is just like the filters i i knew that i could get other types of filters but i never changed away from my 25 db ones yeah. and that was usually way too much for every other situation 
than uh, my very extreme uh, band setting that I was uh, alluding to earlier. So, mm -hmm. <clears throat> so these these are are things that I brought with me into the kind of specification of this uh, uh, adjustable uh, lossless earplugs product. Yeah, I definitely agree with you about how custom molded earplugs like they're easy to put in but sometimes it can be a bit cumbersome to like pop out and also the filters when i got my custom molded ones they only came with one filter i couldn't choose anything else so even right. trying to swap back and forth even if i had the ability to do so would have been it's kind of like changing the lens on your your camera like you can do yeah. it but then it just stops the flow of everything then you got to make sure everything's like you know in the right place you got to make sure it's all fitted yeah. and, and nice um so i love the fact that your lossless earplugs can actually go from this adjustable uh attenuation basically from 7 to 25 meaning that you take the decibel level if it's at 25 it's going to be 25 decibels softer um was yeah. that difficult to like actually manufacture into your product yeah, we we had the you know that we we thought we had something that worked when we started the company, because this was a three-year uh, research product uh, or a project that that had gotten quite far. They they had uh, done uh, lots of you know commercialization studies, and mm -hmm. you know they thought they had a product almost ready for produ production. But when we started the company, you know we had the foundational technology, but basically we had to start from scratch. Uh, and then we spent we spent a year um, going through you know dozens and dozens of uh, iterations with three D printers and uh, and uh, different yeah different variants before we we kind of settled on something that we thought uh, would be great for for this musician niche specifically. Awesome. It is super important for musicians to be able to adjust from like different decibel adjust uh, adjustments because we are in, you know, you might be in rehearsal and it's, you know, you don't need 25 decibels softer. Yeah. Sometimes you need a more, a little bit less. So it's really nice to have that adjustment. Um, but are the earplugs like actually 3D printed? No. So, okay. so just like in the pre-production phase, we, I see. we were reliant on that technology to 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 figure out what we were going to make or and how we were going to make it mm. these um so so uh, the core technology that we brought with us from the research project was this membrane that was mm. adjustable uh and and using this single lever yeah. uh, we are able to not only uh, adjust the tension of the membrane but also uh, uh other parts of the filter that compensate for like if you're tuning a drum the the frequency the the resonant frequency the resonant frequency will go up if you tune the the drum higher mm -hmm. so if you uh, so you need to counteract that to keep the frequency response flat so we're doing that with the lever also so that makes means that we can have a flat frequency response while we are doing the adjustment and that's um. like the key innovation of the pro product uh, how we are able to do that adjustment while we are keeping the the, the frequency content flat and and the, the sound natural basically mm -hmm. 
How many like iterations or trials did you have to go through in order to find like what you have right now? Because I'm, I'm I'm assuming yeah. you know it doesn't take one shot. <laughs> no, we we had we had dozens, we had dozens, but by using the 3D printer, we were able to iterate quite fast. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that time, we were four people uh, that started the company together. So, so us four basically did the brunt of the work, yeah, mm-hmm. getting that to market. Yeah. And what was your experience like getting fit from like an idea and getting testing through the stages? Like what was testing like and then finding the marketing and actually selling it? What was your experience? What did it feel like? Um, I imagine stressful. (laughs) Not too stressful, to be honest. Um, You know, it was it was kind of bizarre because we launched a product for musicians and lives live like concerts mm-hmm. in the middle of a pandemic where okay uh, you know you know everybody's worried about their income and there's not really much events to go go to so that was maybe the the biggest challenge uh, mm-hmm. or or worry that okay this is like this is the worst time to <laughs> to launch a product like this mm-hmm. but still it it it's been uh, growing really well and and gradually and we've been able to reach out to a global audience even though we're, we're a small company from from norway mm-hmm. so we're really pleased with that and uh, yeah, you know uh maybe maybe us launching in the pandemic made it so that we were able also to kind of ramp up our production uh, mm-hmm. in time with uh, demand because mm-hmm. if if demand had skyrocketed way too early then you know we wouldn't be able to uh, deliver so so that is you know that has flown relatively nicely up until now yeah so it was a little bit of a blessing in a way to kind of grow the business i think so it it gave us some time also to to kind of adjust to the market and figure out, like, really validate that we had a product that people liked. Mm-hmm. And uh, if we had made uh, some huge mistakes that, like, like didn't account for that, you know, then uh, we might have been able to kind of adjust it. But but uh, we haven't really found a need for that because feedback has been really really good. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, we're happy about that and you know this um we we choose in the product we choose to have uh, 11 different type of ear tips mm-hmm. as part of it because we kind of have this custom molded musician's earplug as a starting point mm-hmm. and uh, getting a good fit in the ear canal is is critical to getting both good sound and protection and what we've seen is with that range of tips which is market market leading i believe then people are able to find things that are both very comfortable in their ear that you know can adjust if they're moving their jaw and uh, they're super light in the ear and that that really allows us to compete with the custom molds and even be better for some people a better Mm -hmm. alternative for for some people yeah when i opened up your product and i saw so many customizable tips I was like, this is amazing because when you normally get like regular headphones and stuff, you have what, maybe three small, medium, large at best. And even for me, sometimes the smalls don't fit my ear canals very well. And having a seal to make sure Mm. that, 
you know, you are sealing off the sound and then being able to filter in the level of sound is really important. Um, yeah. Is there a reason why, or like for each design that you have, because there's different designs, is there a specific nuance reason? Does it help fit different ears aside from just, you know, the different sizes? Can you go into that? I thought it really interesting. Um, yeah, and I think it's a matter of comfort as well. So um, both anatomies vary, and uh, and usually there's a balance between comfort and um, and how well it is fitted. So mm -hmm. the deeper something that goes into the the ear canal, the less comfort comfort it is, but the the better um, atten attenuation it has at lower frequency. So that means that you actually get a more flat sounding. Uh, earplug if you get it really deep into your ear and okay. and uh, if you put it into the closed position you will get even more attenuation mm. so that's that's part of it but then you have to sacrifice on comfort mm -hmm. uh, but if you choose a foam variant that you don't really insert that deep into the ear that's really comfortable it 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 uh, fits well it doesn't fall out easily mm -hmm. but it may have slightly more uh, base leakage and then that will uh, go uh, a little bit out over the um, the frequency response so um, it's it's something that uh, every person has to kind of spend a little bit time on figuring out what, what's most important to them and mm -hmm. finding something that has the best kind of balance between comfort and fit what would you recommend someone to start with like when they first open it up should they go with the ones that are more cone shaped or the ones that are a bit more foam and like short and round which one would you recommend to try out first i think med medium foam is is very popular mm. um that that covers a large amount of anatomies and foam is really nice in the way that they're easy to get in and out mm -hmm. and if you're sweating it's kind of it or it's i enjoy the material a little bit better than the the kind of uh, silicone-like material, yeah. which is in the uh, single, double, and triple flanged ones. Um, but um, you know, the, the the reason why we keep all them in is people are different, so we're hearing you know uh, a lot of feedback that you know I like this one, I like this one, but uh, we're not getting a lot of feedback that people are are having a hard time finding something that fits them. So that's you know a really good validation that the amount of tips that we put in even though it might be some work for the users to to put in mm -hmm. to find something that fits them that uh, that we actually can compete with custom molds mm -hmm. in the fit category and but there will always be you know uh, maybe less than a half percent that have trouble or very uh, like uh, ear canal an anatomy that is so small or so large mm -hmm. that our tips can't fit and then it's possible to do a custom mold and and still use minuendo mm. so there are a few providers that do that but it's not something that we go out and recommend because so many people found find what they need in the package i mean when you have 11 tips i would hope <laughs> something will definitely <laughs> score yeah um i love that you brought up the thing about when you're wearing your earplugs and sometimes you're gonna sweat that's something I never thought about as a player, but it is true. And that does like change the fit and make it more uncomfortable. Is that something that you discovered yeah. while you were in your testing stages? Like, oh, people sweat when they like are on stage and we should accommodate for that. Not specifically, you know, I think that uh, uh, 
that that might be something that people uh, experience and then maybe switch over from the silicone type mm. to to foam if they experience that or they think okay it's worth it i see uh, and when i've used um, custom mold uh, you know that it gets that can get quite sweaty as well mm -hmm. because it's uh, it, it doesn't have any pores or anything uh, that kind of material so can you describe a little bit more what the testing stages were like? You said you started off with like a team of four. So did you just test within the four of yeah. you and then like bigger uh, groups? No, no, we we were quite active in going out to musicians. I, I have a large network of musician mm -hmm. friends and and uh, and people working in in as professional musicians uh, in orchestras and in lots of different genres. So it was really important to get feedback from the beginning so uh, uh, lots of different sizes of earplugs and and uh, geometries that we tested in different ears and it was only you know but I think it was about six months in where we we managed to reduce the size of the earplugs by around almost 50 percent wow and that that's finally that made it so that we could cater to uh female and children's ear ears much better mm. because before that it was kind of sticking out but now they're actually so small and nimble that uh, even even the the children of uh of our ceo was <laughs> able to to fit in in their ears so we were very active in going out and getting that user feedback um and i think that's like in general really important if you're doing product development to always <laughs> <laughs> so that you get away from the the echo chamber that you're you're in yourself absolutely what did it feel like to finally like have the product like the final product in your hand and then be able to like ship it out to customers what that what would that feel for you what did it feel like for you uh, it was great i mean we started uh, kind of small in norway and mm -hmm. but to be honest looking back at it there, there wasn't like a a single point in time where we felt like we've made it or reached a milestone because it was we were always like always something to do always something uh, next goal to reach so um even though we we did like specifically in the pandemic it was hard to like get together and mm -hmm. celebrate like one one specific milestone so so I think yeah, that's something that we we are better at now. <laughs> kind of lo looking back, and you know, f uh, after four years, it's uh, possible to get a little bit nostalgic to the time we were four, because now we're a company of sixteen people, mm -hmm. and um, and growing. So, you know, that uh, that's interesting too to to see how the culture changes and and how, um, yeah. Yeah. During the whole process of taking it from like start to the end and selling it, what was the most like difficult scenario you had to overcome in this whole journey? Mm, I think it's, um, you know, product development by itself. I don't think that was too difficult. There's a lot of different smaller problems to solve, but one of the, the bigger challenges that we we kind of knew about but didn't understand the real scope of us getting uh hearing protection certified oh so that just like being allowed to sell it as hearing protection mm -hmm. 
how how much bureaucracy and testing, external testing, it has to go through for you to have it in your hands and that it says on it that it's a CE marked product or uh, tested to a certain NRR in the United States, for example. Mm-hmm. Achieving that is uh, <laughs> that's that's a big achievement that you yeah. take for granted. You know, it's just a sticker on the box. But, you know, that sticker means something and it's uh, quite difficult to achieve. And it means that you can, you know, you can trust trust the product basically to, yeah. to do what that it says what it does. And there are external agencies keep, uh, holding us accountable for that. And, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, I think yeah, that's uh, an underappreciated as- aspect of, of it. Yeah. It sounds like almost the legalities were more difficult than you actually having to make the product. In hindsight, it, it kind of feels like that. Uh, like that. I'm sure there were very different, difficult things to solve engineering-wise along the way. Mm-hmm. But since we got over them, you know, it, <laughs> <laughs> and they they didn't stretch out at the same uh, in time the same way. Mm-hmm. Like this, it was uh, like yeah, one year project getting it certified. Mm-hmm. Would you say then, like getting it through the legalities was the most memorable thing throughout this whole journey, <laughs> or something else? <laughs> I'm not sure exactly what would be the, the most memorable, but you know, it feels really good when artists and musicians I look up to uh, give feed, great feedback around the, uh, the product or or magazines that I used to musicians magazine that I I used to read when I growing up, mm-hmm. and then oh my product is there getting a great review in it, you know that that really hits home that's a great yeah, feeling it definitely is you must be really proud of your product and <laughs> i think it's amazing like i'm not just saying this because i you know i'm working with soundbrand i'm also talking to you but I, I really do love your product thank you you're welcome um what can we look forward to seeing more from innuendo and from you yeah so you mentioned that we have two products so the the second product that uh, has uh, most of our focus right now is uh, a product that is uh geared more toward industrial users and construction um, people that uh, are in uh, different kind of noisy situations than uh, musicians but uh, have equally or more statistical chance to get high levels of hearing damage so um, a lot of companies nor <clears throat> in Norway now have this zero harm goal uh, no one should get sick by or uh, or harmed by by working at our company mm. and there's a big discrepancy to the reality of that where maybe you know 60 percent of their workers have hearing damage so the zero percent and the goal and the 60 percent reality we need to close that gap and great hearing protection has been available for decades but still, the problem is still there. So there, there's a need to have a product that can uh, help you, uh, uh, that, that catches the data of the user and, and tries to motivate you to use the product in the right way. So this smart alert earplug that we have launched, it, um, it basically tells you when to wear the product, when it's loud, so oh. that you don't have to judge yourself when you 
are in a hazardous sound environment uh, it uh, tells you to wear the product if you if it's really extremely loud it can tell you to you know wear uh, earmuffs on top of the earplugs mm -hmm. in also situations you need double protection like that and then at the end of your shift you dock the product and then the data of your day will sync to the cloud and you can track um, improvements and uh, exposure over over time so that you you actually know what the workers are exposed to and then you can do you know uh, things around the environment can you have shorter shifts to alleviate the, the hearing um, damage potential for the worker in some situations you can have longer shifts because you're you're uh, actually measuring rather than just using some some table so so that's um, a different uh, target area but you know we're passionate about reducing uh, hearing damage in in the areas that we can mm -hmm. so that's kind of the next next thing that we're doing that's really exciting i can't wait to see how that's going to be released um where can we find you or minuendo and how can we like connect minuendo.com minuendo.com we're quite available on email and chat through our web website so uh, if you have you know specific needs mm -hmm. go go to us if you want to buy the product i think going through other channels at our website you can see where where to buy in your local area mm -hmm. uh, if you're in the us you know we have sambrenner or amazon uh, uh, in europe you have tomam and gear for music uh, that are quite available um yeah Mm -hmm. I believe in Canada, because I'm Canadian, uh, Long and McQuaid is also right. offering that as well, too. Um, thank you so much for joining me on this podcast and talking about the lossless earplugs. It's been a pleasure speaking with you and learning yeah, about your journey. Sure. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate it as well.